Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. And before we jump into the really cool stuff that we're going to bring you today, we have a super important message for you. Did you hear that Brilliantly Resilient, the book is out in the world and it landed on the top 100 bestsellers list. That's where it debuted. We're so excited. Go get it at amazon.com. Search Brilliantly Resilient and you'll see it in Kindle and paperback. Enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. I'm Kristen Smedley here with my partner in crime, Mary Fran Bontempo, and we are inducting a new friend into the crazy hall of fame here at at the show with our insane journey that we have. We have Alex Sanfilippo, who I told Alex, we have messaged about six or seven times on LinkedIn Messenger. And once you hit about four messages with me, you are stuck in my circle of madness and you are my family for the rest of my life. <laughs> so he's All pretense disappears. He's All filter background of our whole existence. Anyway, I am so excited to have Alex on because he is the founder of Podmatch. And Podmatch, I want you all to go look it up as soon as you're done listening to the whole episode because it is like the dating scene for podcasters and podcasts. And I'm much happier in that dating scene than the over 40 single person dating scene. A whole nother episode that we can have later. So at any rate, without further madness, Alex, thanks so much for joining us. Kristen and Mary, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for that great introduction. Really excited. Um, I'm sorry that Podmatch can't help you on the dating scene at all, but at least we are able to find guests when you need somebody. You never know. She could find a way to make that work. It could be a thing for you, Alex. You just don't know where she's going to go. That's a good point. We're going to take his business plan in a whole new direction. Okay. Back to the reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance, which is what we are all here for. (laughs) People from broken to brilliant. Okay. So Podmatch. This is the coolest thing. And here's why, Alex, I'm in a morning mastermind every morning and somebody happened to say, I'm like, you guys, because people go through, you know, um, what is it that you need from us? Do you need a connection? And I'm like, we have got to get Brilliantly Resilient out into the world. Both Mary Fran and I have platforms independently, but we wanted to like really make a push because the book did well and we need to get out to other podcasts. And somebody says, I just read an article on LinkedIn about Podmatch. Oh my goodness, I log on and I now can't even keep up with the messages. So here's my question for you. Were you in the podcast world and found that need or did you stumble across this some other way? Yeah, um, first off, that's awesome. That's how we like to hear people finding it because it's all organic growth right now. So hearing that you found it through LinkedIn, through people talking about it in a mastermind, I love that. That's fantastic. And for me, I've actually been in podcasting for a few years now. Um, I, I guess it's actually been longer than that, probably like five or six years, something like that. I've been in podcasting and I've been speaking at the conferences and things like that. And I'm always one to ask people what they're struggling with. And I do that because when I first started podcasting, I had no idea what I was doing. Like, I didn't even know how to plug a mic into a computer. I mean, I, I look young enough that that should have just been part of my upbringing, but it wasn't. So I had to ask a lot of questions and people just freely continuously helped me. And because I always have this idea of like, 
how can I help you as a podcaster? What can I do to help serve you? And I just saw this need. There was a need for people to find the right guests to be on their shows and vice versa. There's also people that say, hey, I've got a new book. I've got a new course. I've got a new product or service. I need to be on the right shows. Obviously, we can all find people to jump on our shows, but the right people is definitely a different story, actually getting mm-hmm. connected with those. So that's kind of where the idea came from. It was just me being a service to the industry that I love and care about. Wow. I saw Mary Fran light up when you said the word service. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, that is, we have these platforms that have the ability to be so far reaching, but you can really get lost down a rabbit hole when you're trying to figure out how to make them work effectively because they're so huge and they have so much potential. And Kristen and I know our brilliance. This ain't it. (laughs) We, we, you know, you, you do struggle because there's, gosh, there's, a, there's any number of choices of people who could be on your show, but you hit the nail on the head when you said the right person, because at the end of the day, everybody who's doing a podcast is trying to serve an audience. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, technically, obviously this is, this had to have been a huge, a huge thing to figure this out. So how did you figure this out technically? And then how do you, you talked about organic growth, which I love, um, how did you start to bring it out into the world? Yeah, both really good questions here. First off, it wasn't necessarily easy. And honestly, for some reason, I just didn't even, the idea didn't click. I remember I was at a, a conference in person. I don't know if you all remember that, Chris and Mary, but <laughs> we used to high five, yeah. handshake, hug, like all those things were part of normal life. And believe yeah. it or not, in that world, I used to go to those conferences as crazy as that now seems. But anyway, <laughs> I, I was at one where, again, there was about 2,000 people this, and I was asking that same question, realizing, okay, there's podcasters who can't find the right guests. And I realized in that room over that five days, I was actually connecting people, which is just something I love to do anyway. I'd meet someone who just launched a new book. And I was like, I just met a podcast host that would love to interview you because they're looking for people just like that. So I was like kind of running back and forth this room with about 2,000 people. And get this, it didn't click. I came home was still like, I wonder what I could do to help podcasters. <laughs> it didn't click. I remember I was actually, uh, at this point, the whole world had shut down. So this was like actually a few days before uh, before COVID uh, just shut the world down. So I was actually outside my back porch doing a kettlebell workout. And I, I'll never forget, I was like kind of mid-swing with this kettlebell. And I was just like, it, for some reason, it just hit me. So like I dropped it, ran inside. My wife knows that I'm not usually like that. Like I'm usually pretty focused on my workouts. She's like, what is this dude doing? I've got whiteboards behind me right now. And I just used all three to map this thing out. And she's thinking I'm going crazy, losing my mind or something like that. Cause I'm like drenched in sweat, like just trying to keep things organized. But it, it just kind of hit me. I was like, you know what? This is really the solution that people need. And what hit, what hit me was like, why couldn't it just be like an online dating app that does basically the same thing, right? Yeah. And so I mapped it out and I called a friend that same day. It was actually March 10th, 2020 when this happened. And I called a friend who had worked with years prior, who's a software developer, really super talented. And I know that he has projects and things like that. So I just called him like, hey, I don't know if you're busy right now or what you're doing. And he was just wrapping up a project actually that same week. This was a Tuesday. So I guess Sunday night he had just finished it up and was done with that. He still had like a, a job, but I, I told him about it, pitched him the idea, and he came on board as a partner. So we just kind of signed on 50-50 partners and started developing from there. And it was just a matter of fine tuning. So one of my big flaws, which maybe we'll get into, I don't know if it'll come up or not, but is I overcomplicate things. So I always have to remember that so, um, I believe it was um, Leonardo da Vinci that says simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Mm. And I have to remind myself of that type of thing over and over again. Cause I'm like, what if it could fly? And what if you could like <laughs> find Kristen a, a boyfriend as well? Like what if it could do these things? And uh, so That's I had to like, match it down. 2.0. <laughs> not out yet. Not even in beta. We're not, it's not even on the roadmap. 
anyway, that's kind of how the whole idea came it came into being. And it was it was a lot of work to actually do something with that. So it was a matter of, again, finding the right partner for me and really getting simple with what's this solution we're looking to offer, not all the things that we wanted to do. And that's kind of where where we began the whole process. That, well, that's just like our journey with Brilliantly Resilient. We did the same thing and we launched March 7th. Okay. It was supposed to be in person. And then God thought it would be hilarious to shut the world down and have us not be in person and then shut all the salons down when we turn the video cameras on. <laughs> right. Whatever. <laughs> but then, you know, so then as we got really good with, with the show, we got a big following, we were getting really great guests. And like we were talking before the, the camera turned on when JLD came on, we were... <laughs> We were like, I, we were afraid to talk to each other anymore because we had so many ideas of making it fly and doing all kinds of right. things. Oh my God. I'll still re I still remember the morning where we sat here on Zoom and looked at each other and we're like, what are we, what is our brilliance? What are we known for and really good at? And let's keep it to that because we were starting to drive ourselves crazy. Yeah. You know, you, but you said all those pieces, you put all those pieces in it. Kristen and I talk about transferable skills mm -hmm. and that brilliance piece that's kind of innate. And, and you said all that, you're a connector. That's, that's your brilliance, you're a connector. But, but because our brilliance comes naturally to us, we tend to overlook it. And because it's, it is simple, it is simple for us. And we feel like it's gotta be complicated. So like Kristen was saying, we're like, well, maybe we should do this. Well, maybe we should do that. Well, maybe we should do this other thing. But the, but the bottom line is your brilliance is that you're a connector. You just kind of missed it because you just do it so naturally. And then all of a sudden you have that moment and you're like, oh, wow, that's what I do really well. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, sometimes we're too close to actually notice our own flaws or, or strong points, right? There's something that a friend told me to do. It was a few years ago, actually. A buddy of mine just kind of brought this up randomly. And he said, and this is super off topic, so I'm sorry. But um, cool. he said, hey, anybody that you know, like anytime you meet with them, just tell them one thing that they're really good at and just thank them for being good at it. And so I started doing that. And to my surprise, no one ever realizes what they're naturally really good at. People just don't even realize. They're like, I'm good at that? I'm like, yeah, you're great at it. And everyone around you and some people are like, oh, yeah, you're super good at encouraging other people or you're super great about helping teach people that are struggling or you're really patient with people. And the thing is, we're just too close to ourselves to really realize those things. And it's a matter of getting yourself out of your own skin sometimes and like really sitting down to reflect and think about what you're great at, what you're not great at, what makes you, you know, brilliantly resilient for lack of a better term. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a really important thing to do. And for me, I realized that, okay, yeah, I'm a great connector, but now what can I do with this? And since doing that, I mean, this was a year ago, but I'm, I'm much better at this now, like self-reflecting and asking myself, okay, I'm good at this naturally, but what can I do to serve people with this now? Like, what would that look like to duplicate, to replicate that type of thing? So, so let me ask you this. Was this, obviously, it wasn't your, your lifelong plan to run a podcast dating site, right? So <laughs> right. what was your initial hopes and dreams that you were, you were working in? Yeah, so for a long time, I had this desire to, to be in, in real estate. And I, I do have some investments and things like that. But it's funny, it's one of those things that when I got into it, I realized that I didn't really enjoy it as much as I thought I did. So I was doing, when I say real estate, I was actually uh, buying, doing buy and hold and flips and things like that, mm -hmm. looking to get into that. I started with buy and hold as I had some, some money saved up for my long-term aerospace career that I was in. And uh, as soon as I started doing it, I'm like, this is super boring. Like, I'd actually <laughs> like to do something else that's more like entrepreneurial other than just some passive investments. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with it. It's fantastic. It's a great thing to, to do to diversify. But uh, I was kind of at a place where I was lost for the last 
few years. And when I got into podcasting, I realized how much I enjoyed it. And at that point, I did look to serve people in podcasting. So it was kind of a, it was a shift in my mind of just trying different things and which led me to starting a show. And I never was one of those people that expected to make millions of dollars off of having a, a podcast alone. Like I, I knew that something would have to come from it, but I just kind of let it happen organically. Again, going back to the point of, okay, let me just see if I can serve an audience and see what I can learn from those individuals. And that's kind of what, what got me to where I am. And now I can't imagine myself ever doing anything other than being a, a SaaS founder. So software as a service that Podmatch is like, I like this. I would love to do more programs like this as soon as I figure this one out, right? Like and continue going along the way. Wait, but, uh, say every that day's again. A what was that that you just said? A what? A, a uh, SaaS founder. Software as a service. Oh, I like it. The first time I heard that term, I'm, someone's like, oh, you're a SaaS founder. I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I like went and looked it up. I'm like, oh, this is actually a real term that people use. So yes. Clearly, I'm, I just had the same reaction. What? Huh? What's that? <laughs> but here's the problem. When you actually are one and you don't know it, that's that's a, a flag. It's like, this guy is really fresh. <laughs> like really doesn't know. <laughs> That's my whole, that's my whole journey. I'm always doing stuff I have no idea about. And then I'm like, it's a good thing sometimes when you don't know what you're getting into. I agree. <laughs> it's not necessarily bad. You, you know, you've been hitting on so many of the things that we talk about all the time. And, and again, you know, that whole idea that your brilliance is almost innate. It's this thing that's inside of you. We don't recognize it because it's easy for us. We don't necessarily see how we can transfer that skill into other areas. But here's the other thing that you said, you went into it not knowing exactly how it was going to evolve. And that's the other thing we talk about. You can't be married to an outcome that you have in your head. Like you kind of have to make room for things to, to turn around. Did you find as you were implementing this, that it was like, all right, well, maybe that's not gonna work. Let's see if we can try this. Yeah. I mean, you bring up such a powerful point here. And actually you just had an episode with a guy, I think it was Morton is how you said his name. Yeah. And he was talking about yeah. like swapping your thoughts, uh, basically focusing on positivity. I, I found really early on that I would do things and they just wouldn't work. People would, would write in saying that they hated it or it was broken <laughs> or my developer, the, the partner I work with, Jesse, he would say, dude, this is going to take eight months to build. Like that's longer than the whole software. Why would we do this? And I found myself kind of getting negative about it. I was like, man, am I not like the right person to be doing this like my sometimes it just didn't work uh and I, I learned the power of thinking positively and just course correcting over and over and over again because we've done a lot of things that didn't work i overcomplicated parts of it still even with reminding myself that i can't do that and i just made some mistakes on the way and you get you get real-time feedback that's something that we've openly asked for and usually we get really great feedback but occasionally you get that really mean person who just <laughs> they're just having a bad day and they're like, I hate the color of your website. It's super ugly. Like, and I hate you, you know, like that's kind of you, <laughs> right? No one ever really said that about that. That's not constructive criticism. When somebody goes, I hate you. Well, sorry. <laughs> right. Anyway, I needed this episode with Morton a few months ago, or I guess a year ago at this point where it could really just help me have that positive mind. So for me, yeah, we, we've done a lot of things wrong, but it's a matter of just correcting in real time and then being transparent. So I, something about me is I'm never going to make myself sound like somebody I'm not. So I'm not going to be like, yeah, I'm great at this. Like I'm doing like we're making all the right moves. Like I just tell people, I'm like, hey, this was a mistake. Like I really thought this is what people would that you would wanted. I misunderstood. And I do my best to be really transparent with the people that are using it. And that's built a bit of, of people. They, they trust me like they know that, that I'm here for them and that I truthfully am. And that's really helped me a lot is just doing that. And this is my first time doing a business like this. Yes, I've, I've been an entrepreneur most of my life but this is the first I've ever done anything like this. So it's all new ground for me. And there's only so much education you can get at some point you have to throw yourself into it and, and go for it. And uh, yeah, so I, I've had some, some struggles along the way, some things I've really gotten wrong. 
Kristen and I found that when we jumped on the air, we we were very much like that. We were like, look, we don't know what the heck we're doing, right. but <laughs> yeah. But here's what we're thinking about. Let us know how it reacts. And I really like what you just said about that course correcting constantly. The three mm -hmm. C's, course correcting constantly. So, I like it. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's the, the whole idea of being open to the feedback from the people that you're serving. Because, you know, anytime you start on something new like this, like clearly the, the, if, you, if it had been done before, there would be a roadmap. But if you're starting something new, there isn't. So when you're transparent about that, I think, and you allow people to see and to know, look, I'm not sure if this is going to work, but if you're willing to work with me, we'll figure it out. It does build that trust. Yeah, it, and it really does. And, you know, that's not something that necessarily you can just plan on doing later. I think a lot of people, they want to build up this wall initially because they don't want to hear the initial feedback, right? When I first they launched- They don't want to hear, this really sucks. This right? part sucks. <laughs> Yeah. And so when we launched, we actually, going back to that conference I was at, the, the about, it, was, it came out to be just about 100 people that actually I talked to and connected during that, those five days, which is a lot. Uh, I was speaking at the conference, so it helped a little bit because people would approach me. I didn't have to awkwardly approach everybody myself. But anyway, when we launched, we launched with those 100 people. And, and I told them from day one, I'm like, I'm not going to try to hide. Give me the honest truth about this. And we launched what I just call MVP, so Minimum Viable, minimum viable Product. And along with that, we just decided we would do what some people, uh, one of my friends wrote a book, he calls it starting ugly, which just means, hey, you just like, it's like, it's mm -hmm. like the first time you record live, right? There's no try, there's no testing it. You just yeah. press go and the whole world can see you now. It was a very similar thing to that. We just launched it. We told him, hey, like, it's not gonna be pretty. We didn't have a logo for the first six months. We were just like, it's just not important. What matters is can we offer the solution that is your ultimate problem, right? And so we just really went with that. But from day one, we really opened it up saying, hey, give us the feedback. When most people, they want to hide behind a wall until they feel like it's pretty enough or fast enough or working good enough. And they're like, okay, I'd love to hear your, your feedback now. And they just really want to get praised for it. Instead, we really head on. We're like, hey, tell us what's wrong. Like, let us fix it. And me personally, I had to really focus on my own internal positivity outside of it because hearing bad things all the time can really weigh on you if you're not positioning your mind correctly. And for me, I was, I was able to do that, thankfully, but not without struggle some days. So I love that. And I, you know, it changed things for me when we, when I started doing a lot of videos a couple of years ago on Facebook, because that was the thing that would beat the algorithm. Right. So I started doing video, but I was a little neurotic about it. You know, it's like, oh my God. And who's really listening? Of course, now I'm always talking to a screen. So who cares? You know, I had all that practice, but it was Gary V saying, his first video was horrible. And he said, nobody watched him for a year and he kept doing it. And I mean, look at him now, he kept doing it and doing it, doing it. I think that's huge. But to that point and to what you said about, you have to keep the positive mindset. Do you, do you do that internally on your own? Do you surround yourself with people? Do you have something that you practice to make sure that you can come out of that negativity zone? How do you handle that? Yeah, so it's a, that's a great question. And it's not necessarily like one tier. So it's, it's a lot of different things. The people that I surround myself with outside of my professional career and, and, and uh, of Podmatch and outside of just this world, the people that I'm around and make sure that they're positive people. And mm -hmm. it's not like if they're not, I'm like, all right, you're out of here. But I do my best. Like I just naturally feel like I gravitate toward those people. And that helps a lot. And I actually wrote an article about this two weeks ago. I had a really bad day where it was just like a ton of bad feedback hitting and it, and it affected me. And usually I'm able to kind of counteract it. But that day, I couldn't. I woke up the next morning still thinking about it. So something I do that really helps me out is I reflect every day and I'll write actually in a journal. So I handwrite it out. And what I wrote was really 
for me, but I decided, you know what, I'm actually just going to transcribe this straight into a blog post. And I shared it on, on my personal blog. And I just talked, like, I made the title, like, I had a really bad day, which is not, like, way out of my character. I don't usually write things like that. It's not like a, a lifestyle blog of Alex Sanfilippo. That's super boring, by the way. But I felt like this would be really important for people to, to, to hear. And what I wrote about on it was just that I realized that, hey, hurting people hurt people. Like, the people that are really being, like, really rude, really mean, they're usually having something else going on. And I can't take it personally. I have to remember that, ultimately, if I can help them somehow, some way, not that I need to go out of my way to do that. Some people just aren't your tribe. But I need to maintain the, the posture of, you know what, I need to positively do what I can to impact this person that's already having a rough time in their life, clearly. Something's already wrong. And I can't take that personally because that's just a reflection of what's happening with them. I can do my best to be a positive light for those people. So remembering that type of thing, reflecting every day, getting myself around the right people, those things have really helped me be able to stay above uh, what can be painful at times. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really tough to, to take those hits over and over again. But I think you're right about that. We have to get to a point where we don't absorb the things that we're hearing. And, and you have to, you know, Kristen talks about your perception of things all of the time and putting it and recognizing that always when you hear something from someone else, there's going to be some of their color in there, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, whatever their baggage, their personal experience, their whatever, some of their color is going to be in there. And you have to find a way to get through that, to find the thing that, that applies to you. And then, like you said, though, turn it around and see how you can help them. And that's not always an easy thing to do, but I love your idea of writing stuff down. I had an experience many years ago where our, my house flooded and I had to move in with my in-laws with three kids and a dog. It, it was, a, it was a nightmare. <laughs> I had internal rage that you can't even <laughs> like, I'm bad on a good day with that. Like, like there's a little leftover still ladies. And <laughs> to your point about writing things down, I wrote it all down. I got it all out. I reflected on it. And then a couple of days later, I read it and I was like, whoa, I got to put this somewhere. So it does give you an opportunity when you do that reflecting to process and figure out what's useful and what you need to get rid of. Yeah, you're 100% right. And I think that that's, it's an important thing for all of us to do no matter where you're at, because again, it, it just helps you. I think that when we let it just sit on our mind, like you're saying, we're, we're a sponge to some extent, and it just sits there, hangs out in your mind, unless you can actually do something and get it out. And I've just found writing it is a great way to do it. And then, like I said, surround yourself with the right people so that you can really kind of keep yourself out of that on a regular basis. I've had some times in my life where I was in, back when I was in aerospace, there was a few years in particular, in particular where I got into a, a position at that company that I was with where I was, it was a bunch of really negative people. I'm not trying to be mean or anything like that. Like just, we hated Mondays, we loved Fridays, we hated the job, like we were just doing it for a paycheck. Like that was kind of the mentality of the whole, the whole crew. And I remember it really negatively affected me. I was with those people eight hours a day at least. And, and it hit hard and I, that, that was again, many years ago, but that taught me that, okay, I'm, I'm turning into what I'm around. I'm a, I'm a product of my environment. I need to make sure that I do my best to get out of this and, and focus somewhere else. And I ended up loving the next position I was in because I was around positive people. So I always remember now like, Okay, make sure I'm around those right people. Make sure I'm reflecting. These are just things that I've done in my life that have really helped me a lot. And with with Podmatch, like we're saying, like sometimes you, most of the feedback I get is great, but for some reason that negative feedback holds a lot more weight. And I don't necessarily there's some science behind that. I'm sure uh, I don't know it personally, but it's like you can get 20 people saying something great about you, and one person negative, and then you, all you do is focus on the negative. So making sure that that doesn't hold me back and keep me from doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing to serve people is just a really important thing. 
So I'll give you an expression that somebody taught me years ago. Um, I, and I actually posted about this on Instagram this past weekend because it was an anniversary. Um, and and it, it was my biggest post ever. And usually it's, it's my middle son, Mitchell, that's in my post. And that goes real far. Because he always says to me, I get you followers, mom. You just put me <laughs> in your picture. I get you. Followers. And he's not even lying. It's true. But anyway, my post was about someone told me years ago, don't let people that don't matter matter. Hmm. You know, because so, my post was somebody told me when I first started my vision research organization for my two sons blindness, uh, it went like through a big network of people that I had launched this thing. And I was so excited. And it came all the way back from one of the top people in the top organization. And he said, oh, that little mom isn't going to make a dent in this field. Who does she think she is? And I was like, of course, I'm so strong. I cried on my couch for a few days. That's typically how I handle things. I didn't eat the whole sleeve of Oreos, but, and then somebody said to me, what does he matter? He doesn't know you. He doesn't know your boys, you know, whatever. And then don't you know, six years later, we were invited, only 12 people in the world were invited to testify at the FDA. And he and I were two of those 12. Wow. And I almost went all Philly muscle on him. <laughs> hey, look at that cute little mom now, but I didn't. I just congratulated him, but whatever. But that whole thing of don't let people that don't matter matter. Because I tend to take all of that criticism in and then you start ending up in a horrible pit, especially when you're launching something with so many people coming in. Yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, it, you're right. You got to say that you got to <laughs> say to people speaking to going all Philly, you got to go, well, what did you do today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Really? I messed up. What did you do today? Did you, you don't like the colors of my website? Let me see your colors. Oh, you don't have a website? Oh, darn. <laughs> I've never responded in this way, just so you all know. <laughs> We're not your customer service girls. <laughs> I came on this podcast to see if you all would both do that, but now I'm having second thoughts about the whole thing. No, we're going to send you ideas for, for new match things to do. I like you are it. a wise man, Alex. You are. Thank you. <laughs> So, so this whole idea of, of kind of like recognizing your brilliance, how does this make you feel? Do you feel like you're finally in the right place? Because I have to say, like Kristen and I, we've been doing the things that we've been doing for years, all of our different platforms and all, but this feels different. Do you, do you get that? Like, I'm, I'm kind of trying to give our audience like little tips, like you, when you're in your brilliant zone, you'll feel it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, just like to answer it shortly, like, yes, 100%. Like, I wake up really excited to do what I'm doing. And, and I think that I've always kind of been that way. I've always loved being in, in business has always been fun for me. When I was a kid, I realized really quick that I wasn't good at school. I wasn't good at video games. I wasn't much of a musician. And sports were really tough for me as well. So like, I wasn't the most awkward kid ever until I started selling used golf balls at the age of 12. And I was like, this is the most fun I've ever had. And the rest is kind of history at this point. Like I've always just enjoyed it, but I've never been doing something I've enjoyed so much. And it's, it's not because it's not hard work. And like at this point, it's still not bringing in as, as much as my last career was. Like it's still fairly fresh, but it's a, a risk I decided to, to take. And I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And yes, it came with like long hours, especially like last summer. I devoted to not going to the beach. I worked seven days a week, which I do not tell people to do ever, but mm -hmm. getting off the ground while I had another career, trying to bring an income while I was trying to build something was a lot of work. But I look back now, I'm like, that was so much fun doing that. And now I'm able to take two days off a week and my business partner and I are working like 35 hours a week and really enjoying it, watching it growing organically. 
it's been a really fun thing. And for me, I just know I'm in the right spot, like waking up, knowing that I'm doing something that's really adding the value that I can actually bring to the table and being able just to, to, to do this full time is, has been just a dream. So much fun. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. You know, I have, I have a, a short podcast story for you that actually tells that point. My oldest son is at Penn state. And when he came home for spring break last year, they weren't allowed back because of the pandemic. Right. And he's typically very positive. He was miserable, miserable. He didn't have his life on campus. He didn't have the busy, busy schedule and all that. And me being the motivational mom that I am, I was like, you gotta stop. You gotta stop whining, go find something productive to do. So what does he do? He started a podcast with one of his roommates. It was a political view from a college perspective. And, and exactly what you're talking about. He was like a gajillion hours a day on this thing. So excited. I had not seen him light up like that in a very long time. And then he got to go back to campus in August. And don't you know, this is how my life is, Alex. I've been podcasting for a long time, having these shows, trying to make an impact in the world. That kid was podcasting for five minutes gets back to Penn State and they give him a radio show. <laughs> All right. Did you try to go to Penn State and get a radio show though? Or did you try? Yeah. No radio shows for us. Uh-oh. That's exciting. Wait, Good now, for him. now we're back in spinning. Maybe we can do that. Maybe we can yeah. do this. Maybe we'll we can do a radio that. show. But to your point of he was like, he couldn't wait to get up in the morning to work on it. And, and that's how he typically is with things. He just hadn't found anything because everything was taken away. And then once he started figuring out where he could use his brilliance, Boom. Yeah. And you know, it's a matter of trying these things. I think it's really an important point. Like you don't just wait. Here's the thing. I'm going to tell you all a secret. Podmatch wasn't the first thing I tried. I failed about a hundred times before I came on to Podmatch, but it was, I was trying all these different things. And some of them was able just to check off a list of like, hate that. That wasn't fun. <laughs> uh, a perfect example is that I started, I thought I really wanted to do some, some web design. I was pretty good at it. So I built out a little team and started like an agency for it. And I was less than five customers in. And I was like, I literally said this. I'm like, I absolutely hate this. Like I love building websites for myself and doing it for my friends occasionally, but I do not want to be in this business with these customers that have paid me and now I owe them my time. And so I just stopped doing that. And that was something that was on, on paper successful. Like I was bringing income from it, but it was one of those things that I started and just realized I hated it. So I think that all of us, we have to evaluate that and just keep on trying things and eventually you find the right thing. And I, I've, I've never met anyone who's just the very first time they tried something like this is it. I love it. I, I've never met that person. It's because we yeah. have to go out there and just try different things. And yeah, you'll fail sometimes. You might succeed, but hate it. There's all these different things that can happen, but it's a matter of doing that so you get the right experience because it all adds up at the end of the day, but also eventually it'll lead you to something that you really love. Yeah. And this is why they say unicorns don't really exist because there is not that unicorn. I mean, it's a fantasy. I kind of want to talk about something that you've referred to a couple of times here, and that's the idea of this organic growth. I think sometimes people who want to start new things have this idea in their mind. It, it ha the idea also that doesn't exist is that there's an overnight success. Hmm. There's never an overnight success, but people have that idea in their mind that if it doesn't work within two months, it's a failure. It never happens that way. So when you talk about organic growth, what does that look like? And can you kind of can you kind of give an overall general idea of how it would work for anybody? This this idea that, you know, you got to start slow and build. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a really great question, Mary. Thank you for asking that. 
the first thing you have to do is make that decision is the first thing I tell people because what I realized right away, people are like, we want to grow organically, but we kind of have this plan as well for, for marketing. If you have the plan already there, you're going to always go that route because it, it's going to grow faster 99% of the time. It's going to grow faster if you actually do something paid. So it's a matter of deciding that you want to do this. So the way we decided that for Podmatch is we put $5,000 in an account to start the business and we decided we'd bootstrap with that. That's all the money we're going to put in and we're going to do our best with it and see where it goes from there. Thankfully, we never had to, we never hit zero, thankfully, and we never had to put more money in. At this point, we're able to make big investments with it now. We have the the revenue for it, which is a great place to be, but we had to make that decision from day one. So I think the first thing I tell people is if you're going to grow organically from day one, make that decision. And if it doesn't work, then yeah, reevaluate, but don't, don't let that be just like a, okay, we're going to try it for a week type of thing. Like you have to really go for it. And so the, the best way to grow organically is to actually be solving a specific need for somebody. Like it has to be something really specific. It can't be necessarily, this would be fun. People would think this is cool. Like, yeah, those are great, but you usually have to market that type of product or service, whatever it might be. This has to be a real problem that people are having. And then the more narrow focus you can get on who actually has that problem, the better you're going to do. So for me, this one is kind of easy. Like podcasters is pretty simple. Like podcasters are looking for guests. Okay, so we're gonna target podcasters. I started specifically with people that had entrepreneurship podcasts because that's the, the area I'm in. And so I just started doing some some outreach, being like, hey, would you try this? And then let me know what you think. It's kind of the way the conversation would go. They would try and be like, this is really great. This is actually what I've been looking for. And I would just tell them really cool. Hey, use your affiliate link. Can you invite some more people that you think it might also add value to if you know anybody else? And so I just started doing it that way. And a lot of people be like, well, Alex, that doesn't scale. But if there's one thing I've learned in business, especially when you're in startup life like this, you have to do things that won't scale, especially at the beginning. If you look at Airbnb for the first couple of years of that business, I mean, the guys who started it would go to people's houses and take pictures and ask them about the service. Like that doesn't scale. You mm-hmm. you only have so much time in a day, but doing that is what set them up for a long-term win because they're really able to get the, the hands-on experience with the actual users and figure out exactly what they're looking for and adapt to make those adjustments. So for me, it's always doing that as well. So these people that are joining, I, I open up communication. Like, is there anything I can do? Can I watch you use the program at the very least? Or can you tell me if you're inviting anybody? If so, who and why? Learning these things, again, does not scale. But at the beginning, it's so important to do if you want to have some organic growth because, yes, I'm solving a problem, but I now need to make sure that I continue to solve that problem and get it in front of the right people. I'm so glad to hear you say that because... As someone who is not a business person, I know that this whole, that what Kristen and I are doing, I know that there is, there's business potential in it, but people get scared off by words like scale and things like that. And, and I think, unfortunately, they, they may be turned off to doing a really great idea because they can't see right away at the beginning how something is going to scale. But I think you just hit the nail on the head. You got to, you got to get in there. You got to figure out what all the little tiny nuts and bolts are. Follow what you think in your head that thing is. And and of course, ask the questions along the way. Hey, has this serving people? But then allow for that organic evolution of it. And then you get to the scale part. Like that's a word that always freaked me out. I'm like, oh my God, we got to figure out how to scale this. I don't know what that means. You know, and, and sometimes scale doesn't mean like go viral. Some people assume when you yeah. say scale, like it means like we're going to go crazy. Sometimes that just means going from five people using it to 10 or to 100. Like that's a form of scaling as well. And a great example of this is that I met this this lady at this conference. I was actually speaking at FinCon uh, in-person event a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, in-person means you shake hands, high five and hug. Just so everyone knows again. And you comb um, the back of your hair. I used to comb the back of my hair too. Now I don't have to because I'm on Zoom. <laughs> You technically don't know where to need to wear pants either, but you still should, right? I mean, oh, <laughs> I mean, well, 
you're like, well, I'm not going to stand up today. Um, sorry. <laughs> Back on topic. Where was I with that? Oh, okay. So I met this lady. She was one of the keynotes. And afterwards, I got to sit with her and have a conversation. And um, we, were, we were just kind of going back and forth. She goes, you know what, Alex? I'm going to tell you a secret. I was like, all right. And she goes, I'm a multimillionaire. Time's over. Like, I never have to work. Like, it's all been automated what I do. And she goes, I've only helped. She goes, I've helped under 1,200 people total ever. And I was what? like, in my mind, I was like, wait a minute. Like, I don't even that's not a lot. That's not a lot. But the thing is, they continue. She's solved these people's problem and found that narrow niche so well that she knows that that's all she has to do. Those people will buy anything that she offers because not because they're just she's making money off them because she continuously offers solutions to the problem they have. So she found that very narrow tribe that didn't actually have to be that big. So I think when a lot of us think scale, we think I need the millions of people using my platform or the hundreds of thousands, whatever it might be. But the truth is, if you just have the right people and you're offering the right solution to them, they'll be there with you forever. And that's a fan that's going to stick with you, hope, hopefully through the life of your businesses that you have. But it's a really important point. Whenever I mention scale, like you said, because it does make people nervous and I think they, they don't have what it takes. But the truth is, it doesn't have to be as big as you're thinking. It just has to be the right thing for people that need it. Yeah. You know, you know, um, uh, I just totally lost. My <laughs> All right. I'm going to jump in because I have something. You were talking about right. something before that. I'm going to come back to it. Oh, wait, I know what it was. Yeah, and you were saying about doing all of the nitty gritty and, and, you know, stuff that is not scalable. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. You can tell on Podmatch that you did all of that, that you were a podcaster, that you know the, the nuances of it. And it's, it is so simple that, that a Kristen can get on and do it because I was able to go click, click. That's what I need. I need to know about that person. I need to know their followers. I need to know what their story is. And I need to know the quite simple, but you can tell that you live that and you went through all of that. And for the end user, it makes it so much more valuable. Right. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Thank you. That's cool. Yeah. Kristen and I unfortunately have two parts of the same brain because what I was going to say was very similar in that you, 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 this all goes back to what you said about you don't need millions of people, you need the right people. And that's exactly what you do in your platform. You help people find the right people because you've walked that walk. Yeah. And it's a beautiful journey. Can I say, Alex, because you, you. you as a person and your platform have made our lives so much easier yep. since we found you. You guys are awesome. Thank you. This is great. Yeah. So much easier. We have gotten some amazing guests because you figured out how to do a dating site for pod podcasters. Thank you so much. Yeah. And thank you. That's so kind. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. When I mentioned it in my mastermind, it's because I had set an intention for 30 days to spend my, I get up with my dogs at five o'clock in the morning and I was cool. going to spend my hour and a half. Monday through Friday, reaching out to podcasts to get on. And I was like, and everyone in the mastermind was like, that is a lot of time. I'm like, it takes a lot of time to find the right podcast, the right people, and to bring people on our show. It is time. And then that's when the, somebody said, I just saw this article. And then when I went on it, so you've saved me countless hours just by having a nice, efficient system. Love it. I mean, that's the whole point of it right there. Because I, when I first got started in podcasting, going back to finding the problem, I knew this problem existed because when I first got started, especially, and still this day, like if I try not to use Podmatch, it, like if I go somewhere else, which I don't, I don't do anymore, but it's a mess. Like you can send a hundred emails and you get one back and it's usually like, no, leave me alone. 
<laughs> you know, like, and on top of that, you get the people that reach out to you, which is, which is great and all. Like, I love having the outreach. I probably right now get between 70 and 100 emails a week of people asking me to be on their shows. And that's fantastic. But the problem is the amount of research that goes into it. Cause like, I can't just say yes to all of them. I got to like, okay, what's their name? Did I spell it wrong? I can't find them on social media. Do they have a website? Having Podmatch with that one sheet where you can just look is yep. so helpful. But like you're saying, that's just really honing in on the problem because that's the time that podcasters want to do this. Like this is what adds value to the world. Like Kristen and Mary, what we're doing right now, this helps people. You spending an hour trying to find me doesn't help anybody necessarily right. directly, right? I mean, obviously it's a byproduct, but if you can simplify that so you can just do more of this, then there you go. Like that's a win because you were able to serve the world on a higher level. Yeah. And you have given us the wins. So tell everybody, because this has been amazing for us and we want to share it with everybody. Tell everybody where we can find you and uh, get some more of this good stuff. Uh, definitely. So the website that we've been talking about is podmatch.com. And if you're interested in me, my own show, you can just go to creating a brand forward slash free, creating a brand.com forward slash free. And that'll just kind of give you all my social links. You can find me and contact me from right there. Always love to connect with people. But those are the two places I always send people. But really, Chris and Mary, you guys do such a good job. You're like, this is so much fun. I'd recommend your audience just to hang here with the two of you because you guys <laughs> have brought on some great guests. I've been enjoying the show myself too. Thank you, Alex. We appreciate it. You've been wonderful. We're so happy that we connected with you. You've, As I said, you've given us so much value through, through Podmatch. So we want everybody to head your way too. Well, yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's super fun now that we had you on this early in your journey. And, it, and it's just funny that our journeys mirror timing wise. And I encourage everybody that's listening to continue following Alex and the Podmatch journey and see the evolution of just trying something and solving a problem and where it's going to go. And then we'll have to, we'll have to regroup in a free month, in a few months and, and see where it's at and, and all the different things that you have going on. So definitely thanks again you, have to, for you have to hit us up when you, when you get a haircut. All right. So let me know when, <laughs> when that happens and then we can, we can chat again. As soon as all the Philly salons open full time, we're getting there. I might just create my own little plexiglass box that I'll walk around in and can go anywhere I want. Love again, it. that's a whole nother topic that we can have a show on. <laughs> thanks everybody for tuning in again to Brilliantly Resilient Live. If you want to find more resources for the stuff that we talked about with Alex and the other episodes that he mentioned, just go to brilliantlyresilient.net, click on the show button, and you'll see all the highlights and how you can get to all the different platforms. But thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you again next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.